And hello and welcome back to another edition of the Hungry Takes podcast. It is a Thursday night and we are live in our studio in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, right on the precipice of some NFL football as we get you guys set for the kickoff of the 2021 NFL season with the defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and 44-year-old quarterback Tom Brady hosting the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott in Tampa tonight. Matt, are you fired up for some NFL football? Super fired up, Joe, because at the end of the day, I really believe this could be one of the best seasons we've seen in a long time, right? With the rejuvenization, with fans getting back in the stands, I think you're going to see a better Tom Brady than you've ever seen. You, you have a lot of young gunners um, out there that that I think are, are looking to make their mark on NFL football this season. So I think this is going to be a kickoff to an epic NFL season. I think so, too. I mean, there's going to be some great matchups this weekend. I think tonight's an enticing offensive matchup specifically, and it's always fun to see the defending champs and how they look um, returning to try to re repeat. Yeah, I, I think so, Joe. So with that said, you know, if, if our listeners tune in to us earlier this weekend, we did a college football special. So tonight, in, in you know, in regards to the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kicking off the season, we are going to do a Thursday night football special. So everything on Hungry Takes tonight is going to be focused around NFL football, and we're going to start the show specifically talking about the Dallas Cowboys versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and 44-year-old Tom Brady. So, Joe, let's get into that conversation, and let's start right here. Will the Cowboys rebound from 2020 and Dak Prescott being injured? I think they'll rebound to the sense that with Dak healthy, they'll play better because he put up prolific offensive numbers last year before the unfortunate injury. He was on pace for a historic record of 6,000 passing yards before the injury. But still, I think it's going to be difficult for the Cowboys to be much better than around a 500 team. I guess you can't be 500 anymore because they play 17 games. But kind of like a 9-8, and 8-9 eight, eight and team is kind of how I see this roster. A lot of it's predicated on how well the defense plays. But one issue, Matt, I saw last year with the Cowboys was that a lot of their offensive numbers were accumulated in garbage time when the game was already in doubt. You saw Prescott throwing the football like 50 to 55 times a game. That cannot happen. They've got to be more efficient in order to win games. Yeah, and it's like you said, Dak Prescott was actually leading the NFL, I think, in uh, passing yards at, at one point overall. And also, he was leading in like 50-plus yard attempts, right? So like the long bombs down the field. So it was very unfortunate that the Cowboys lost Dak Prescott. But what I'm going to tell you is, you know, not only do they need to get Dak Prescott healthy again, they really need to get Ezekiel Elliott going because I think what you've seen the last two years, and, and you know there was some holdout news with Ezekiel Elliott um, from the last two years, but they really need to get that play action working, and they got to get back to feeding him. I'm talking 25 plus carries a game. They got to get him over 130 yards a game, maybe multiple touchdowns. I really think he is the go factor for the Cowboys. But with that said, Joe. They're in a precarious situation because Zach Martin, the center for the Dallas Cowboys, probably the best offensive lineman in all of football, is not playing tonight. And so that immediately hurts you in the run game, and it also hurts you trying to protect a, a Dak Prescott coming off an of injury. Definitely. A lot of question marks for the Cowboys. And also we'll talk about later the coaches on the hot seat. You think about Mike McCarthy. A lot of pressure on him in Dallas with Jerry Jones expecting them to contend in that division. And this was a division last year, the NFC East, that was uh, – very seesaw, and you saw Washington with, I think, not even a winning record win that division. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Joe, before you know, before we get into the rest of our show, I just want to toss out a challenge to everybody. If you're listening to us right now, whether it be the podcast or Colorcast, we're using the new Colorcast app, right? There is a hot seat. If you would love to be on Hungry Takes, don't be scared to enter that hot seat. We'll go one-on-one with them, Joe, and see what they bring to the table. Well, Matt, I know that you always love to break in the new guests um, that we have on uh, when we're casting games on Colorcast, and so that would definitely be a lot of fun. And also, quick reminder, on our podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at Hungry Takes to keep up with our schedule. And later on, we'll tease, of course, our casting schedule for the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So, Joe, let's keep it moving. Coming off of injury, what's the Cowboys offense going to look like tonight? Like, do you think they will be prolific? Do you think they score 30, 40 points tonight against the Buccaneers? Or do you expect them to be kind of blase like average? I think that they'll start out trying to be somewhat conservative and run the football and commit to the run. Um, You kind of see, obviously, the first 15 or 20 plays in any NFL game scripted, especially on opening nights. I think they'll try to eat up some clock, keep the ball away from Tom Brady. But I think as the game goes, the Buccaneers' defense is so stout and the Buccaneers' offense is so prolific. I think that will pressure Dallas to have to score more points and throw the football. And so I think think by the end of the game, we'll actually see a kind of a – disproportionate statistic in favor of the pass. Yeah, I think so. And and, and we're going to get into how stout we believe the Buccaneers are going to be. But I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, they really have to con- control the ball because points are going to be at a premium with Tom Brady back there, a full cast of characters for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, he's going to be slinging the football all over the yard. And I think the best way the Cowboys can combat that is really try to dictate the pace of the ball game keep the ball out of the Buccaneers' offense hands. And the way you do that is just a steady ground game with Ezekiel Elliott going over the top if it presents itself. But I think the other side is that the less time that Dak Prescott has the ball in his hands, the less likely he is to get injured. And no one has has shown us to date with training camp and all that Dak Prescott's 100% healthy. So I think they need to prioritize making sure Dak is healthy while getting him back on track. So Absolutely. With that said, I will ask you the last question about the Cowboys, and that is, do you think they will be a top-10 offense coming off that Dak Prescott injury? I really don't think so, Matt. And I look at last year, I don't even think they were in the top-10 in scoring offense or in yards per game. And I just don't see them being able to reach that point this year. The only way it happens is if they accumulate a lot of those statistics in garbage time, but that's bad a bad sign for the team. Yeah, I mean – Top 10, Joe, off the top of my head, I can name Buffalo. I can name the Browns, the Chargers, hopefully Sean McVay and the Rams, Arizona Cardinals, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'll even throw in the the New Orleans Saints right there that I think would have a top 10 offense. So it's going to be slim pickings for the Cowboys. I don't know about top 10 offense, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we will certainly see, and we'll find out a lot uh, tonight. Yeah, we will. And the the most important thing we're going to find out about tonight, right, is the question that everybody wants to know. Is this the year that Tom Brady goes 17-0 and playing for the Buccaneers? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I was pulling up their schedule, Matt, to kind of assess their chances. And here's kind of the two issues I see that might prevent them from going 17-0. and You look in week three, they're going to have to go to the Rams on the road. You think about that defense with Aaron Donald and company. You got Matt Stafford now at quarterback. That's additionally a dangerous game because, you know, it's a cross-country flight. And then the very next week, you have a look-ahead game at New England with the Belichick-Brady reunion on a Sunday night. So I think that could cause distractions and present a tough matchup where you could see 
the the uh, I started to say the Patriots, the Buccaneers drop a game in Week Three to the Rams. And then the other um, issue I look at is uh, late October on Halloween, they play at New Orleans against the Saints in a division rivalry game. And then they have a bye week before they play at Washington, the football team. I think either that Saints game on the road or at Washington could easily be a loss as well. Yeah, because the, the Saints game is going to be uh, just a, a rival kind of duo, uh, duel, right? Uh, Washington's got that stout defense, so you never know what could happen. But I actually like what you're saying about week three and week four. So not only do you have to play against what we believe to be a prolific offensive mind in Sean McVay, and now he's got his new prize piece, Matthew Stafford, right, which is what he's been missing all along. But in week four, you got to come play Mac Jones, who is supposed to be the next version of Tom Brady, and there's not a whole lot of game film out there, right? And week four is kind of that precipice. Like, you get to week four, you have four weeks of film to look at. And if you, if you don't know about the NFL, I'll drop some knowledge here. They always look four weeks in the behind, right? So you won't have four complete weeks to look at Mac Jones, right? They can go further back but they kind of tend to think that the offenses change after four weeks. So you look at the first four weeks, the second four weeks, it's kind of a rolling four weeks. And so my point here is they will not have a consistent four weeks to, to see Mac Jones on film, and I think that could be a disadvantage. Yes, and Belichick is going to be so motivated. So when I look at the schedule, my assessment would be probably about a 15-2 and two season is what I see. Yep. All right, so then we the next question is, could this be Tom Brady's best season? I think it easily could be. I mean, we talked about him playing hurt last year and how he got that surgically repaired in the offseason, so it's hard to imagine he could be better. But you don't really see a huge difference between him at 44 as you did when he was 24. I heard Chris Collingsworth said that today on a talk show. And so I think that you look at Tom Brady now more comfortable with this offense in Tampa. You know, last year they had a pandemic year. They didn't have a preseason. And now everybody's more acclimated. There's chemistry and continuity. And I think that's scary for the rest of the league. And then finally, you return all 22 starters from a Super Bowl winning team. Yeah, so this is the year, right? Because I agree with every single thing that you've said. I think last year was Lanyap, right? The plan was for Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski to come in and inject their process. I'm not going to say the New England Patriots way because it seems like they win without the Patriots, okay? But to inject their process, and then in doing so, they stumbled around and won a Super Bowl. I think it was about this year, get the right pieces in place, uh, get the right mentality and attitude, and then hopefully this year, 2021, we're playing for a championship. So all that to say, they set up everything to play their best football this season. You have a healthy Leonard Fournette. You have Antonio Brown, who they say looks better than he's ever looked. And so I think this is the year where they really piece things together. Here's the last thing I'll say about Tom Brady's best season. Today, I watched an interview with Bart Scott, I think the, the old linebacker from the New York Jets. He said, and this is a man who saw Tom Brady a lot playing in uh, with the New York Jets, he said the scariest offense he's ever seen was Tom Brady in the jumbo package, so three tight ends. And that's what Tom Brady has now. O.J. Howard, Cameron Brate, and Rob Gronkowski. Oh, and by the way, he's got Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette standing behind him. He's got Indomitian Sue on defense. And he's got Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to the left and right side of him. So I think this is his best year. I think he goes 17-0 this year. Yeah, I mean, the return of O.J. Howard cannot be overstated either. And so I think that that's definitely something that's going to help this offense with the multiple tight ends take off. 
But at the end of the day, the day, though, Matt, I still cannot believe we're having this conversation about Tom Brady at 44 years old. I remember when he turned 30 years old, he said, quote, that he hoped to play until he was 30, uh, or he hoped to play until he was like 36 or 37, like another six or seven years. And so the fact that we're still having this conversation and that he's not, you know, even a liability to the team, you know, he's not just out there, you know, on a cane, he's out there is a player with MVP contention. He's the MVP player on the team. That's that's just unfathomable. Yeah, and the, the last thing I'll say to that is unless you see his arm deteriorate, which is what we saw with Peyton Manning, which we can't really explain how that happened, right? His arm just deteriorates at middle part of the season. Unless Tom Brady gets hurt, there's no reason he's not coming back at 45, not coming back at 46. I mean, he is the MVP player on this team. Yes. So, Joe, let's get down to brass tacks here. Cowboys versus Bucks tonight. This is what everyone wants us to talk about. Who are you taking? What's the score? I definitely have to go with the Buccaneers, and there's also a strong precedent for the home team, the Super Bowl winner, winning these opening night games. It rarely happens when you see an upset, historically speaking. So I'm going to say that for those reasons, and then, of course, all the reasons we articulated about the talent of um, the Buccaneers, I like the Buccaneers to win this game pretty handily. I'm going to say Tampa Bay wins or Tampa Bay wins um, 34 to 17. I like it, and I'm in that same vein. I think blood will be shed tonight, right? I think Tampa Bay wins. I actually think Tom Brady's sitting on the bench in the fourth quarter, start of the fourth quarter. He's not even playing, and I have it more like 45 to 14, right? It's going to be an absolute blowout tonight, and I think Tom Brady rests early. I can see it. All right, Joe, so we're going to hop into probably the best part of our show, in my opinion, and that's the hungry take. So this one's going straight off the top of the dome here. What's the food choice for tonight's game? What are you eating? What are you thinking about? What What's the food for this kind of game here? Well, I haven't specifically decided what I'll order, you know, if we go to a restaurant. But one thing that's been in my mind today is like spinach and artichoke dip. That's always been kind of an appetizer that I enjoy at a restaurant, maybe a good nacho platter. That's kind of what I'm feeling tonight. What, what, what about you? So I'm thinking this is a game you're going to want some some longevity in your food, okay? Like, you, you're going to want to sit and watch it. You're definitely going to want to watch the first, second, and probably third quarter. Like I said, Tom Brady, in my opinion, comes out in the fourth. So you don't want something quick. It's not a hamburger game. It's not a pizza game. I think it's a sit down, enjoy it, maybe have some drinks. Like you said, start with some appetizers and then ease yourself into the entree. So I'm thinking it's, it, it's something a little bit more sophisticated for tonight is what I'm thinking. Maybe uh, a true entree like uh, some uh, red fish and grits, right? Some shrimp and grits, something like that where you can sit back, eat, have a drink, and enjoy the game. For some reason, a prime rib went into my head right when you said that, too. Maybe maybe even a good steak. I, I don't know, but I do know this is going to be a game where you sit back and watch and you want to have some good conversation while you watch a pretty good game. Well, we mentioned settling in with an appetizer, Matt, so I do have to ask, what would be your go-to place to get like a, your best appetizer? Like oh, If you're going wow. just for an appetizer, where, where do you go? Man, I, so I like the spinach and artichoke dip. I think that's really awesome. Uh, right now, I'm going to tell you what I'm feeling, and, and that is – the mozzarella logs at uh, at uh, is it a chain? Yes, it's a chain. I can't think about it all of a sudden. It's the one that Drew Brees part oh, owns. Walk-ons. Yes, the the big mozzarella logs at walk-ons. For some reason, that's what's sticking with me right now. Well, those are definitely uh, very delicious. One place that I always love appetizers at, and people are surprised when I say this, is Outback, because a lot of people, you know, think about going there for a steak. But I, I'm happy every time I go and content to eat and order solely off the appetizer menu. 
Like, I rarely actually get a steak at Outback, but, like, I love the Bloomin' Onion. They used to have some quesadillas that were really good. Really a fan of the appetizers at Outback. So I'm about to plug Outback hard. So before I plug them, I'm going to go ahead and say that if, if anyone from Outback is listening or hears this podcast, we would love some sponsorship. Throw us a fat sack of cash or an unlimited supply of Bloomin' Onions, right? Because I think you nailed it, Joe. You go to Outback. They usually have a huge big screen TV behind the bar, right? You have you some appetizers. You have you a steak or ribs, or maybe it's chicken on the barbie. You enjoy the game. Maybe you have a beer. Maybe you don't. That's the kind of game we're talking about tonight. Yes. And what, what's their slogan? No rules, just right. No rules, just right. And I think it's the right choice for tonight's game, Tampa Bay versus Dallas. We'll, we'll name this show the Outback Podcast if we have to. <laughs> yeah, that's what we should start doing. Name our, our podcast like they do bowl games, right? <laughs> like yes. That's what we should yes, revolving doing. door of sponsorship. That's right. Whoever throws us the biggest sack of cash, you will get the namesake to our uh, Hungry Takes podcast. Yes. I love it. All right, Joe. Well, let's keep it going. We're not going to stray far from NFL football, right? We're just going to kind of talk about the bigger landscape. So off the top of my head, i got a pretty good question here for you. Who is the bigger disappointment this year? Is it the Ravens, the Browns, or the Steelers? So the Ravens are kind of the conventional wisdom right now because of all the injuries that they've suffered to their running backs. It's just so um, sad when you look at it, even objectively speaking, with J.K. Dobbins' loss for the season. I saw another one of their running backs uh, tore his ACL, I think, in practice today. So I think they, they're down two or three running backs. And so they actually had to sign Devontae Freeman today. And I think he's going to be eligible off the practice squad to play on Monday night when they play against uh, Las Vegas on the road. So the Ravens are going to be kind of the easy answer for me. It's going to be hard for them to go far without a running back. But if you want another choice, I'm going to say that the Browns, I'm still a little bit skeptical, and it largely has to do with the Browns' history of futility. Like, it's kind of one of those things, I'll believe it when I see it, you know, for the Browns to build on what they did last season. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going in a different direction. I agree with you on the Ravens. In fact, I have a rolling bet going on. I would love any of our listeners that hear this, please take me up on it. Who's going to get first, uh, get hurt first? Lamar Jackson or Alvin Kamara. I've been waiting for like five years for Alvin Kamara to get hurt. Not because I want him to get hurt. It's just he carries so much of the offensive load. It boggles my mind he hasn't been hurt yet. So I do think at some point you see Lamar Jackson in that same situation where he gets hurt, which I think is a real possibility at some point. But the one I'm going to go with here are the Steelers because I think the Steelers are – at the end of Ben Roethlisberger's NFL career, right? They're looking for re uh, relevance, but uh, with J.J. Uh, Smith-Schuster, but it's just not there, right? And I would even say that Mike Tomlin, even though he's beloved by the Steelers fans and the ownership, he to me he's kind of on the hot seat a little bit. Like, no, you don't have a good team, but you were also kind of involved with getting rid of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. I know I'm not saying he supported it. I'm just saying you could have done something to held them together, right? And, and it hasn't transpired that way. And so I just see the Steelers going more and more downhill every year. I know they were 13-0 to start the season, and they epically flopped. But that's all that matters, right, is if you get to the playoffs and if you win, and they didn't. So I'm going with the Steelers here. I think that their success will hinge largely on Najee Harris. You know, he might be able to insert and inject some life into that offense and that roster. Maybe you can see some revitalization of Ben Roethlisberger's uh, career from yesteryear. But you're right about Mike Tomlin. And the interesting thing about the pressure on him, conceivably, is the Steelers have been a franchise, Matt. They just don't change head coaches. And it's kind of odd, you know, in this landscape of revolving doors of head coaches, they hold on to their coaches. And I think he's the – third longest tenured coach in the wow. NFL 
outside of Sean Payton and Bill Belichick. Wow. And, and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, right? What I'm saying is Sean Payton delivered a, a, a championship. Belichick delivers a championship every other year, kind of like Nick Saban, right? Mike Tomlin, it's been a long time. I think he has two on his record, but it's been a long time, like 10-plus years at this point. And so, and he lost to Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. And he lost Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. So I'm just saying at a certain point, the Steelers may think about uh, moving away from Mike Tomlin if things don't get better. And and so I sit here and I, sit here and I say, I don't know. I think the Steelers may be the disappointment this season. Okay. All right, Joe. On the other side of that, we're going to ask a more specific question. The Tennessee Titans, I feel like they're not getting enough coverage. Will they or can they go undefeated this year? I'd be really surprised. I think the Buccaneers have the best chance of any roster in the league to go undefeated, and some of that, too, has to do with Tom Brady's experience having a 16-0 and season, which I think helps them. But the Titans, I like them a lot. I actually, ironically, as I think I mentioned on the show last week on Thursday night, I had the Titans making it to the Super Bowl out of the AFC and facing the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. But I think the Titans will probably get there with like a 14-3 and kind of season. Got you. Yeah, I mean, I love the Tennessee Titans. I think they're the team that is not being talked about enough right now, in my opinion, just because of the lineup, right? Ryan Tannehill, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown. I mean, they are, of course, Derrick Henry in the backfield is the best running back in football. I just think they have a brutal schedule, right? They have to play the Cardinals uh, first off the bat, Seahawks. Colts, right? Colts have a great defense. You got the Bills coming, the Chiefs, Colts again, Sean McVay and the Rams, the Saints. We don't know what they're going to bring. Of course, the Patriots. I mean, they just have a brutal schedule. And so I sit back and say, on paper, the Titans are the best team in the NFL outside of maybe Kansas City and, and Tampa Bay, of course. But their schedule just really does not allow them to go undefeated. So. And it makes it harder now that you don't have the two uh, teams with a bye in the first round. I, I still do not like that seven playoff team system. Like, what, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think it's the wrong way to go, right? That's what I'll say. I really think it's the wrong way to go. All right, so what we got next on Yeah, track? all right. So uh, two quick questions here. Are there any week one games that are special interest to you? That's the first question, Joe. I'll let you have it. Yes, yeah, so I'd say two games I'm looking at, and this will also give me a chance to tease our casting lineup. So first and foremost, I'm interested in the Browns and Chiefs. That's actually a game, you know, that last year was an AFC playoff matchup in the second round, so that'll be enticing. And then second, um, I would say that the game that we're hoping to call here on ColorCast with Hungry Takes with Joe and Matt, the Saints um, playing the Green Bay Packers, that game will be in Jacksonville and get to see Aaron Rodgers take on Jameis Winston in his first start for the Saints in the post-Drew uh, Brees era. So – Hopefully, uh, Sunday afternoon, you guys can tune in on ColorCast to hear our live commentary during that game. Yeah, music to my ears. Oh, boy, I get to hear and watch Aaron Rodgers. But I think that's a good one, Joe. So, all right, with that said, that's week one games. Here's a here's a, a, an interesting, a bonus question for our listeners, and we'll do it real quick. Are there any coaches that you believe are on the hot seat this year to start the NFL season? I think it's Mike McCarthy, you know, with the game tonight. I think that the Cowboys franchise is just an impatient fan base, more so than just about any team in the NFL. If Jerry Jones and they expect excellence and they're just not going to be happy with another lackluster season. Yeah, the, the two I'm going with, one would be a shocker, one maybe not, is going to be Sean McVay, which I just – I say 
Yes, he did some great things getting the Rams to the Super Bowl, but it was the worst Super Bowl in the history of the Super Bowl, right, in terms of offensive production, and he hasn't won since. And then the other one is Cliff Kingsbury because he has got a stacked roster, and if he doesn't deliver, the Cardinals need to bring in somebody that can make the most out of Kyra Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and, and all the A.J. Green, all those guys. Right, uh, absolutely. All right, Joe. So with what's left in the show, we got about five minutes left, so everyone knows what that means. It is the hangry rant for the week, okay? And for this hangry rant, we're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to go to college football because we just lived through that, right? My hangry rant for tonight is actually about the SEC. It's Georgia versus Clemson, and we're going to talk a little about Alabama. So, Joe, I want to start this with the most interesting stat that I have seen all weekend, probably the most interesting stat I have heard all year. Do you know that Georgia has three less five-star recruits than the entire Big 12 and Pac-12 combined. No, I did not know that. That is absolutely unprecedented. But I think that the reason why that's my hangry rant is that shows you the caliber of football being played in the SEC, right? And when you compare it to Clemson, I think what happened that game is, one, the ACC looks bad in general, and two, I think Clemson was overperforming. They have a pretty vanilla offense, all right? And they had two superstar quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Well, you got rid of those quarterbacks, so now you're an average offense. Granted, Dabo Swinney is a wonderful head coach, but you are playing these juggernauts that is Georgia, okay? But then you take Georgia and you look at Alabama, right? And you say, if that's what Georgia's got on their staff or, or their roster, what does Alabama have? So Alabama has all the five-star recruits. Now they even have head coaches, Joe. They have Doug Maroney, who's an ex-NFL coach, Bill O'Brien, who's an ex-NFL coach. And by the way, the Alabama team that we knew that had a horrible pass game, they have become wide receiver U and quarterback U. The last five quarterbacks have all been Alabama, right? Tua, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts. I mean, you can go on and on. A.J. McCarron. Nick Saban has transformed that program. So the hangry rant here, Joe, and I'll hand it to you, is just how stout the SEC is. And that's why Clemson didn't beat them, because these other conferences compared to the SEC are just hands tied behind their back. The SEC is absolutely brutal. And having three less five-star recruits than the Big, Ten, Big 12 and the Pac-12 proved that point. No, those points are all well taken. And it was a tough week for the Big 12 for the – ACC, as we talked about in our college football recap podcast on Sunday afternoon, you know, the ACC had their three uh, supposed um, best teams all go down. And Duke also lost, to, I think, an FCS team. So it was really embarrassing for that conference. Um, we also saw Ole Miss, as we were talking about before the show, light up Louisville. They looked really good. Could be a sleeper this year in the SEC with that offense and better play from the defense. But when I look at Georgia Clemson, Matt, one of the takeaways I had from that game is how DJ was just underwhelming at quarterback for Clemson. And it really surprised me because you look at the fact that he had two starts last year in Trevor Lawrence's absence. And so if you had told me that out of Bryce Young and DJ, new quarterbacks taken over for first-round draft picks, that one of them would struggle, I would have said it was Bryce Young because he had never started a game before. But instead, he looked like I thought DJ was going to look. Yeah, and it speaks to the, to the fact that Alabama and Nick Saban, they have stayed ahead of the curve, right? So if you think back to Lane Kiffin, who's doing amazing things at Ole Miss right now, in my opinion, you know, that was him trying to get ahead of the curve, to transition that offense to a pass-friendly. Now you have Nick Saban, who has he, – he's ahead of everyone else, right? Not only is he implementing game plans that, that just 
blowing doors off people. I mean, number 14 Miami, you shred like that? That is unbelievable. But he's ahead of the curve because he's going to the NFL and these failed head coaches, and he's saying, y'all come hang out with me. I'll revitalize your career. Bring those NFL concepts to our team, and then we'll get you to where you want to go, a.k.a. Steve Sarkeesian. So to the last question, and we'll end this podcast here about are there any coaches that may be on the hot seat? If you see a Sean McVay fail or a Cliff Kingsbury, open the door to Alabama and Nick Saban because they may be coaching there next season. Do you think there's any temptation for Nick Saban to try to prove it one time in the NFL? Do you think he'd ever reconsider it maybe if he wins another title this year? Why, why do you need to go back to the NFL and prove it when you are the powerhouse that's bringing all the NFL talent? And, and that's the last thing I would say there is not only do you have all these superstars, but now he has a stable of NFL athletes that can come back and mentor his current NFL, uh, his current college ball players. It's definitely a machine. I will say it would be interesting to see comically who lasts longer, Nick Saban or Tom Brady. You know, there may be a friendly competition to see who can uh, continue to perform well at peak level for both of those guys. But anyway, uh, speaking of peak level, just really enjoyed the – show tonight thank you guys so much for joining in uh, whether you're listening on colorcast or on spotify and other podcast hosting sites later on we really appreciate the support as always you can follow us on twitter at hungry takes to listen to all of our um, episodes and keep up with our casting schedule speaking of which as we mentioned a few moments ago we will be on colorcast sunday afternoon for coverage of saints packers you don't want to miss matt's hot takes on aaron Rodgers. So until then, everybody have a good night, and we'll talk to you soon.